episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 13. This week I caught up with John Flanders from Pickup Trucks Down Under. It's a new Instagram page that's making waves in the Aussie truck scene. We had a good chat to John about his vehicle, and then we talked a bit about the page and some future plans for an Australian-based all-truck show. So grab a cold beer, sit down and enjoy this one. John, mate, thanks for coming on board and chatting to us on the uh, Classic Pickup Podcast. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. Um, happy to be here. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Thanks, mate. We've tried to catch up a few times and uh, we both seem to be busy, but uh, it's good to have you on board. Now, run us through through your first memories. What What's your first automotive memory, mate? What, what shook your boat in the, at the start of it all? Yeah, it's a good question. I... I, I... Bit of, I think for the young fellow, my mum used to work at a, a local news agency and uh, while I was waiting for her to sort of finish, it always rustled through the magazines and I think I picked up a, I think it might have been a Holden magazine one day and decided I'd have a bit of a look through it and uh, next thing I'd, I'd ask my mum if I could buy that magazine and I think it all sort of stemmed from there. I, uh, I never really grew up in a family, I think, that really had a big automotive type of background. Uh, they always, you know... Were, like to my grandparents, I had you know an EH or a Kingswood or along those lines, um, but there was nothing sort of there that sort of triggered. Other until I picked up this magazine and I thought, yep, uh, one day I'd decide I'd like to build a car or own a muscle car or along those lines, and it sort of all stemmed from there and sort of spiraled out of control. You can spend a lot of money on magazines. I know as a kid, I used to, I'd buy two or three a week at ten bucks each or something. It was out of control. Yeah, I think I did the same and get to a point where you just think, geez, what am I going to do with all these magazines? But you sort of I sort of wish I sort of had them all now. You could set up, you know, something in the shed that you could have all these sort of memories as part of it. You think, oh, geez, I should just chuck them out because there's too much. But now it's sort of cool to go back through and have a look at those cars that sort of inspired you from that point of view. Yeah, I I chucked all mine out about a year ago. I had, I had milk crates full of the fucking things like surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, like just – and then all – early car stuff, Volkswagens. I was right into Volkswagens and, yeah, just the amount. Of, I literally had 20 or 30 milk crates of these fucking things and I just took them to the tip. <laughs> yeah, we're typical boys at school, you know, sitting up at the, you know, behind the basketball court all reading our, you know, Holden magazines or Ford magazines all having a competition with one or another. You know, none of us even owned a car, but we'd always compare from that side of things. No, that's that's funny. So. So what was your first car you purchased? 
Well, I can't say I'm too uh, proud of it. I owned a Toyota Lexan, a fake VN Commodore. <laughs> so that was my, my first car and I, I think I debadged it because I was too too embarrassed to um, let people know it was, had a Toyota badge on it. Was that, was that a V6 Auto, was it? It was. It was a V6 Auto and that typical young fella had to put an exhaust on it and um, I look back now, it's pretty embarrassing stuff, that's for sure. They still had a bit of get up and go in them for an 18 year old, though. Yeah, probably from that side of things. Yeah, it was the um, yeah for everyone at school was like, "Geez, it goes all right." I thought it was all right at the time, but you look back on it now, you think, "Gosh." But yeah, with the, back when I was in Queensland, you know, they got all these P plate restrictions and things like that, and then I sold that and bought a a VTSS as a 19 year old, which is pretty stupid, and I put a Vortex supercharger and. Things like that on it was probably pretty pretty crazy for a young fella, yeah. No, it's good. It's it's good to be the guy at high school that's got a car. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it did come in handy. That's for sure. <laughs> we had um because they had the P plate, the power to weight restrictions down here in Victoria. So I had a I had a three hundred two Ford Fairlane, which you could drive on your P's, but then if you had a five liter Commodore, you couldn't. So I think it was something like that. So yeah, it was it was good fun. So, is that the car you learnt to drive in, or, or what did you learn to drive in? Um, so I grew up on a on a sugarcane farm in Queensland. So we always sort of had things on the on the farm that we sort of learnt to drive uh, from that point of view, whether it's machinery or along those lines. So that's where it all sort of stemmed from there. So it wasn't too bad. A bit of a natural progression. I just lived in a small regional town, so. Um, yeah, to get out on the road wasn't too big of a deal. We'd probably already been doing it before we had our license. <laughs> yeah, farm kids learn to drive early. Yeah, they do. That's for sure. I think we had a, a buggy we made out of an old 202 engine and things like that. So it all sort of stems from there. Yeah. Yeah, my old man had a HTU that uh, got put off the road and that became our paddock basher on the farm and that's what I learned to drive in. It was good fun. So... So what did you say you had after the, the Lexan? Um, I bought a, a VT Commodore, just a, an LS1. Um, sort of that was my pride and joy when I was a young fella and put a Vortex supercharger and intercooler and, you know, a little cam and things like that. Um, and then I sort of had that for, I'd say, five years and then decided that I didn't want something new school. I sort of wanted it something old school and I my really close friend had a HK Monaro and um, I remember he was looking at selling it so I purchased the HK Monaro from him and that just was a natural progression over years it sort of was a bit mild to wild I, I guess you could say from that side of things. Yeah and that's the car that you drag now? So I've sold that um, I just uh, it just so happened to be so my very best friend is a guy by the name of Aaron Tremaine from Tremaniac Racing and I grew up with Aaron, uh, which was a bit of a benefit from an engine point of view and uh, just as the years progressed, I guess, you know, I had a little 360 cube engine in it and then um, all of a sudden we are building a 440, you know, uh, 440 cube small block Chev for it and I used to go out and race that, you know, from time to time as well. So until we told politely to leave because it probably didn't meet the requirements from that point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so 
so when when did you go from uh, Holden Bogan to I want to get a pickup truck? Yeah, it's a good question. That was a, probably a couple of years ago now. I um I moved to Melbourne approximately eight years ago, and I left the car, the Monaro, in Queensland. And um, as time got older, I started to learn that I liked things a bit more original and that sort of factory look and it wasn't an original Monaro colour and it started to really eat at me actually. I think that was my old age kicking in to be honest with you and I knew that if I was wanted to convert it back to original sort of, not original spec car but original sort of trim and, and colours and things like that, I knew it was going to cost me a lot of money ultimately. So I just decided uh, to put it up for sale and everyone was like, I can't believe you're selling a HK Monaro but uh, sort of started to fall in love with the trucks, uh, something a little bit different uh, from that thing. Everyone sort of had muscle cars and prices were just simply outrageous, as you know, in Australia for certain things now and fell in love and um, come across a, a Chevy pickup that I own now and fell in love with that and, and that's how it all sort of stemmed. And next thing I knew, I was selling Monaro to fund the, the project of buying a truck. Yeah, right. So... What's the story behind this truck? Did you import it from the States or did you buy it here in Australia or, or how to tell us what it is and, and how you got hold of it? Yeah, so it's a 1955 Chevy pickup. Uh, yeah, funny story. So it was on Instagram, would you believe it? I come across this truck on Instagram and I was like, geez, that's a nice truck. It was really what sparked me. And I sent the guy a random message and sort of said, you know, if you ever want to sell the truck, let me know. And, uh, he sort of fobbed me off and I think he sort of thought it was a joke. And then I seen it again for sale. Oh, he, he, technically it wasn't for sale. You know, some guys said, you're selling a truck. He said, oh, if you offer me the right amount of money, as we all do. And, and then I hit him up again. I said, look, I'm serious. Do you want to sell this truck? And he said, are you being serious? And I said, yeah, but I said, I'm, I'm in Australia. And he said, you what? And I said, no, no, I'm in Australia. But I said, I'm keen on on your truck and next thing we started talking uh sold the monaro it sort of all sort of fell into place and i said yeah send me some pictures the next thing i was i was buying this truck literally off instagram of all places i didn't even go over to the states so it was a pretty big gamble from that side uh but the guy was really good he, he sort of kept me in contact sent me plenty of photos and uh sort of re worked for a reputable he owned his own business and that's how i sort of thought well if anything's going to fall over you know Everyone sort of knows potentially who this guy is in the state, so he probably had a bit to lose from that side of things, and he was really genuine all the way through. Yeah, cool. And so what's the build spec on have, have you done anything to it, or, or as we see, is that how you bought it? So long story short, I obviously got the, got the truck over, and it's like anything, you want to make it your own, and I started pulling things off it and putting things on it and doing what I'm doing, but... Um, so it's a, as I said, it's a 1955 Chevy pickup. It's um, on uh, airbag suspension. So it's got a front and rear clip from a company called Porterbilt in America. Uh, it's got all your AccuAir, E-level suspension, um, your Firestone bag, Slam Specialties up the front. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty neat truck, obviously, underneath. It's got a it's, you know, pretty solid chassis from that side of things that still maintains the sort of original chassis in the middle and it's obviously cut front and rear to you know support that that clip and still runs a, a factory uh chevy small block a little 327 um there's just a, it's an all-round pretty clean nice truck and it's like that anything you sort of want to start putting your own touches on it and i end up starting to do that you know 
it's funny i put a um so that 360 uh small you know small block i was just telling you about i had that tucked away and i put it in the truck and i i hated it I actually hated it in the truck i just took that whole cruiser mentality away you know all i want is horsepower i couldn't get away from that uh it was still in me i guess you know more power more power i put it in the truck and i thought to myself i've just ruined the truck because it just didn't feel nice anymore you know it's converter and all of these things so i end up putting the um the standard 327 back in it and i had a big smile as soon as i started i knew i made the right decision to put it back from that point of view i've been following porter built for a long time so nate does some some really really good quality gear and is your truck engineered in australia it is yeah it's fully so as soon as i got it here that was the first thing uh from that point of view i wanted to do it right and i obviously got an engineer and got on board and there's a few obviously a number of things i had to change but in the hindsight and reality for someone who just bought a car from america it's probably a pretty big gamble considering the amount of modifications that it had and that was sort of just testament to the previous guy you know the quality of work because i'm sure you've seen some of the stuff that comes out of there and i think you either get really good you know really good fabrication work or you, you probably get some pretty dodgy stuff so i was just lucky uh, that I knew it was sort of built right. And then I could just add my own sort of touches to it from that side of things to make sure it was up to scratch once it once it landed here and then got it through engineering process. And at least I can drive it with confidence now from that side that I know that it's done right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys, I think, rolling around with US imported trucks that have slipped a bit of a dodgy roadworthy and got a club rego and, and they're just running the gauntlet and I, yeah, you'd just be looking over your shoulder the whole time. It'd be very, uh, it wouldn't be that free feeling of just cruising around your truck. You'd always be like, oh, God, I hope I don't get done. Yeah, that too. And I think, again, as you get older, you know, what if you're in an accident, you know, and then if something was to happen and you think, gosh, I don't know if I could live with myself, you know, just small things like I couldn't believe that it didn't have a collapsible steering column. And of course, in America, that's fine. And you think, gee, he's just in an accident if you're, in something and it didn't collapse you know ultimately that spears right through your chest i know it's silly little things but they're all the things that we have to meet for our requirements some things you have a giggle at and say is that really necessary but you know so be it it's done and it's done properly which is the main thing yeah and was your engineer pretty happy with the portabilt stuff like did he did he did you have to thicken anything up or or how did that go Yes, yeah, so it's a good question. So originally when he first looked at it, he was a bit concerned about a couple of weld points, but once he once he could gain access to it, it I ended up nearly not having to do a thing with the portabilt stuff. So I actually got to send him some designs prior to the truck even arriving in Australia. So I got those CAD designs off portabilt and actually sent him yeah. those CAD designs as well too, which was great. Uh, so he, he got a chance to have a look at that. And then obviously once it was here in real life, we sort of went over it front to back and did all the, you know, the engineering testing by sandbags in the back of the truck and, you know, all of those sort of things for brake tests and so forth as well too, which was a bit interesting. <laughs> no, that's good to hear. Yeah, I'd actually, I've spoken to Nate a bit and I, I was looking at bringing a chassis in and doing a few things and he put me in contact with a couple of shops in Australia that he'd sold them to and he reckoned that they'd been engineered and then everyone I spoke to no one could actually say yes. I've had a portable chassis engineered. Not not that it had been a problem or not a problem, but no, no one was, saying. you know, specifically saying, "Oh yeah, I've done it." So I, in the end, I sort of didn't pull the trigger. But I 
I think between them and, and what Chop and Block are doing at the moment, there's this it's a really good way. I mean, they're obviously not cheap, but by the time you stuff around sometimes trying to achieve a finish, these guys have just got it dialed. Yeah, their workmanship is amazing from that point of view. I've been totally wrapped with what they've done and to be able to, you know, bring something to Australia and have it engineered. You know, I think we've got some pretty strict rules here from that point of view. And for them to, you know, for it to pass engineering, I think it's a sort of testament to their work. They should be pretty proud of themselves. You know, and look, at the end of the day, you know, I'd, I'd love to support a local product, but it just so happened that that was the truck that I fell in love with and so happened to be it. But I'd have sort of no doubt in my mind now with some of these local companies coming through Australia, they're, they're doing some really amazing work. Yeah, there's more and more I'm seeing of, of these engineering shops in Australia that are putting out some, you know, whether it's original chassis with a suspension change or, or some of them are doing a, a bit more, but we're going to, we're going to get a couple of engineers on here in the next couple of episodes and, um, and pose a few of these questions to a Victorian engineer and, and I think hopefully a New South Wales engineer and just get a bit of a guideline on, you know, what they sort of recommend and what they've dealt with. It, it, it'll be an interesting chat, I think. Yeah, I think it would be too because I think that's the biggest concern with people's misconceptions. You sort of do get a little bit of variance between engineer to engineer and sometimes that makes it a little bit tricky. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure yourself and probably my advice is if you're going to build a truck or a car along those lines, if you're starting from scratch, get your engineer involved from the get-go. You know, is it, you don't want to be having to do things twice, you know, come and bite in the backside otherwise. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I remember sitting at the Bright Rod Run having a chat to Leon from uh, Big L's Chop Shop. Yep. And uh, we were talking about his 48F1 and, you know, he, he'd spliced a couple of different chassis together to to put that together a long time ago. He, <laughs> that's an old truck. That's yeah. an old build. But, um, and, you know, and I was sort of saying to him, I said, what, what's your knowledge of what percentage of your original chassis do you have to keep? And And he was sort of saying, well, I've spoken to three different engineers and got three different answers. So it's all just a matter of opinion as to how they read the guidelines. And yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating for us as builders because if they said you have to have 33.3% of your original chassis, then that's easy. We can work around that, but it's not. It's like this guy says one thing, this guy says another thing, and you just got to kind of find the guy that wants to do what you want to do, I suppose. I agree. And that's probably the biggest thing from that. And you would see on Facebook, one person might you know, post a question and you'll get 20 different answers because their engineers said this. And yeah, that's the biggest problem. It's probably really difficult from that that side of things. But um, yeah, Leon's a super cool dude. He's um, got some really good stuff coming out there. And that truck's sort of iconic because it's sort of been you know, or it's been there from the get-go from that sort of thing, from the pickup drive side of things, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a proven build. And the amount of K's, like he's had that thing up in Darwin and all over the country. It's amazing. Yeah, it's right. He's been all over the country and probably not many guys have, you know, been able to have the chance to do that. And it's probably going to test a reliability factor. And, yeah, he's certainly proven it from that point of view. Yeah. No, he... He moved up in my book when um, Rob Veach's truck rolled out of his shop. I tell you what, that is probably the most beautiful truck in this country, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's it is a stunning truck, Rob's. You know, and it's pretty cool. It's you know how sentimental it is to Rob with his father passing away, and it was the uh, you know his dad's truck ultimately, and Rob got to build it, and it was a long time coming. And yeah, I'm super stoked for Rob. He's a nice guy, and yeah, it's. It really is a stunning truck and, yeah, they should all be pretty proud of what's come out of there. And Leon's, there's so much stuff coming out of there that's just really rad from that side of things. 
but Rob's Rob's truck certainly, yeah. I think if the paint doesn't capture you, then it's you know it's the suspension, it's this, it's that, it's all these things. It's a it's a really cool truck. No, it's good. We'll get him on one day and have a chat to him. Yeah. So you, your truck's left-hand drive. Did you did you give any consideration to changing it over to right-hand drive, or you've been happy with, from the get-go? Yeah, no consideration at all. To be honest, it wasn't. It didn't phase me, even though I hadn't driven a left-handed vehicle before. I just thought it was just something I'd get used to. And I remember the first time I drove it, I thought, "Oh gosh, this is a bit different." But by the time I'd got in it for that second drive, uh, you were pretty well at home. So a lot of people give it a lot of negativity, going, "You know, why did you keep it left-handed?" And I said, once you've done two or three drives, it'll just become normal to you. Obviously, probably the biggest thing is overtaking, but I'm fortunate enough too. It's a big back window truck as well, so you couldn't ask for any more room out the back from that side of things. So, um, yeah, it's just something you get used to after a while. It's not too bad. And do you have that on full rego or club rego? Club rego. I wanted to put it on full rego, uh, but I just by the time you start thinking, oh, if I'm going to drive it every weekend soon, it's just you know, it sort of makes sense probably to put it on Club Rego as much as I hate our, our sorry, our maroon plates down here. But, um, yeah, I've just left it on Club Rego for the time being. Yeah, I mean, 90 days is plenty of days driving. It is. It is, yeah. Especially, you know, without winter as well down here as well, and it gets pretty miserable sometimes. It's not the nicest weather to be going out from that side of things. And so coming from, you know, driving some, obviously nice Commodores and then having a, a good worked uh, Monaro. How does the how does the truck drive? How would you kind of explain suspension, body roll, power? How, how What's it like to drive? No, it's, it drives really nice, to be honest. I, I still think, though, I know I'm driving a truck, you know what I mean, and I, I probably respect it because I'm driving a truck from that point of view. Uh, but it drives, the suspension's quite smooth, you know. It's good. You've got the ability to adjust your ride height to where you want it. And I've got all adjustable shocks on the vehicle as well too. Uh, when I first imported, I had 20s obviously on it. And I've gone back to a, you know, more of a traditional uh, look. I've gone back to a 15-inch dealer with a big coker, white wall and uh, Bel Air sort of hubcaps uh, on the vehicle now. That's probably given a bit more of a softer ride now. It's a bit more forgiving from that side of things. But uh, it drives it drives quite nice. But as I said, I do respect it that it's a truck at the end of the day and I'm not going to be reefing it around a corner. But, yeah, I'm probably just a show pony just looking pretty driving it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's probably half the reason we've all got them is just a, you know, that's and that's why you buy anything apart from a Toyota Camry, to be honest, because, I mean, if you were just buying a car to get from A to B, then none of us have any of our vehicles. Totally. You know, I bought the Monaro to go in a straight line. You know, I wanted to drag race. I knew it wasn't going to corner. And, you know, same thing with the truck. I just bought it to cruise ultimately from that side of thing. So it was, it served its purpose for what I wanted at the end of the day. Yeah. So you're on Instagram. You agree to buy a truck off a guy. You shoot him some money. What What's the whole process of getting it from him to you was that an easy process? Did you did you find a good importer and 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 what sort of dollars did all that cost you? So if someone's listening to the podcast, they're on Instagram, they're looking at a cool truck. From from the minute they hand some cash over to a guy in America, how long does it take? How much of a pain in the ass is it? And what sort of money did it cost you to get it here? Yeah, good question. So 
The first thing you want to do is obviously make sure that the truck you're buying is the truck you want to buy or car or along those lines. But uh, if you don't have the availability to obviously, um, you know, to fly to America to look at the truck, then I suggest, you know, you get as many photos as possible and true photos at that. And I, I hired the services of Leighton Kelson, uh, imports uh, back and forth. And I'm, I know you know Leighton quite well. And I... I thought to myself, I was, I guess I was too nervous about all the loopholes and all of these things. So I thought, no, stuff it. I'll, I'll get Leighton involved. And Leighton was really good to, to deal with at the end of the day. And I just said, look, here's the cash. You do all the transactions. He did everything for me. I just ultimately negotiated the price uh, from that point of view and said, all right, I'm going to buy it for X amount of money and I'm going to give that money to Leighton. And he does all the work from there. So there's a, there's a, obviously there are things you're going to have to be aware of, you know, are you buying a car with X amount of value that's going to be over luxury car tax? Uh, so there's all, all things that you'd want to keep at. And again, that's where you probably should speak to your importer from that point of view. But uh, to be honest, by the time I've got that car transported, picked up, delivered taxes, it would have cost me near 10 grand to get it here uh, by the time it landed. So it's all good to say, oh, yeah, shipping's $3,500, but you've got to get reality and understand that we've got taxes and things like that to pay on your overall value of a vehicle purchase. So you need to really keep in consideration of that. And, of course, the, the dollar value as well too with the US dollar, of course. Uh, our dollar's not, not looking real good against theirs at the moment. So you need to sort of pick your time just right. Yeah, I know even just with my engine that I brought over, uh it, it landed here like I pressure washed that thing to an inch of its life with a hot water pressure washer in the middle of bloody Kansas and it gets shipped all the way back here and they open the container and all of a sudden everything has to be washed and fumigated and so that was another 750 bucks that I had to spend I mean the engine was clean already and then I get it all the way up here eventually and I pull the radiator and the intercooler off the chassis and there's this grime and shit all over it they haven't even washed it very well so it's just part of what you've got to do you you can't get around it like i said to the guys at the time i i said if i bring another one in or if i bring something else in how do i get around having to do this and they basically said it just depends on which guy walks in here from customs and has a look at it and decides you know he said some guys walk in there, they've already got the stickers out. They're just wanting to stick them on things. And then other guys will walk in and just go, ah, yeah, she's all good. So I guess it's like a traffic cop pulling you up. Some of them will let you off and some of them won't. But did you – so so 10 grand you would say is a fair price right now or around this sort of dollar value to expect to, to bring a full running truck in? Yeah, I think if it's going to be a decent quality truck, I'd be sort of budgeting – that as well too and i think you made the point there you need to account for some potential that when that truck lands there's a chance it might need to be fumigated or something along those lines and it's ultimately it's out of your control you really have no control that you've just got to do the best of your ability to make sure that your importer's got it under control in regards to cleaning but again you can't you, you know if your importer's doing the right thing you can't be too harsh on them at the end of the day because they have no control, unfortunately, other than organising from A to B. But if customs get involved or whoever that might be, they want to clean the truck, then unfortunately you just got to cop it on the chin because there's nothing you can do about it at the end of the day. Yeah. No, totally. And, and I can recommend Leighton. So he's from Classic and Muscle Car Imports in Melbourne. And uh, 
I actually dropped dropped my engine and everything off at at the warehouse in Los Angeles to be shipped back. So I've seen the setup over there, and the, and they they're not backyarders. They know what they're doing. So he, he was great to deal with. And I mean, I I import I import stuff from China for my personal business, and I do all that through a company that handles all that shipping and all those you know, all the paperwork and all that crap because I, when I first started doing it, I was doing it myself and it is a nightmare and it is worth paying a little bit of money to get the professionals to do it because they do it every day. And I'd, I'd sort of say the same thing. If I was bringing a car back, um, you know, yeah, you could probably save a few bucks and do it yourself, but the potential for a nightmare is just much higher. Agree. And, and you've got no support. When things go bad, who are you going to talk to at the end of the day? And I think if you've got a good importer, and, and, and of course, they do this every day of the week, ultimately, I'd, I'd certainly, myself personally, I'd pay the money and, and be done with it, you know, especially if you're going to the point of investing and buying something from um, overseas as well, too. And, and the late and offered those services, if, if need be, you know, to have someone from America look at, you know, the vehicle if, if required. So you've got plenty of options there available from that side of things. Yeah, no, that's good. So have you been to the States yourself? Have, have you been over there at all? Yeah, I went uh, early last year. That was my first time. It was really – so I was a bit of a drag drag racing fan and <laughs> I ended up in South Georgia of all places to go and watch some radial racing over there. So I spent a couple of weeks over there. So it was good to sort of see, you know, just they're an interesting bunch over there. They're, 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 they are different to us, but at the same time, they love Aussies and we all seem to gel really well over there. I think it's it's quite good from that point of view. And you'd know yourself going to Dino's and things like that. You only hear really good things. Uh, they sort of take Aussies under their wing and I think it's, it's a really good relationship from that point of view. And as soon as they know you're Australian, I think that's just that instant connection uh, from that point of view that everyone seems to get along really well, really well. Yeah, yeah, I've got no problem with Yanks. Like, you grow up watching TV, and you know, you like the nanny or the nanny named Fran or whatever, and you think that they're all just these absolute balloon heads. But I've I've lived there two or three times, and I've travelled there two or three other times, and and I've never met anyone that was just a total wanker. You know, like everyone's. They they got a different accent and, and they've got a different culture, but they're still nice people going about their daily lives just like we do. So yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, I agree. That, you probably hit the nail on the head. They're a little bit of different culture. We're probably a bit more reserved, I think, in Australia, and that's what took me back straight away. Is you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to just get used to it. But that's just how they are. And once you adapt to that, you're fine. Yeah, you you never don't know there's an American in a bar, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> I remember sitting on the plane over there and all you can hear is these Yanks just talking really loud to one another. And we're so, you know, I guess when we get in a plane, we're pretty quiet and we just do our thing. But yeah, you can certainly hear hear the Yanks coming from a mile away. But they're they're all cool from that point of view. It was, it was all good. So car clubs, are you, are you a member of any, I mean, you obviously you're on Club Reg. Are, are you a member of a club that you get involved in or, or is it mainly just for the Rego? Look, to be honest, it's probably mainly for the Rego, but I'm part of a club called Muscle Car Club of Victoria. Uh, they have a few catch-ups, you know, a few sort of meetings each year, which we get involved in, but um, it's probably more more from that side of things. You know, we probably should be a bit more actively involved, but I think majority of, you know, I like the truck to ultimately cruise, but I'm not one of those guys that get caught up in it. You know, like people, they want you there for the club meetings and, I'm not not that type of person at the end of the day. Yeah. You've got a bit of a crew 
that you get together with though with the trucks i've seen a few photos of you guys catching up yeah it's something that i'll probably aim to do a bit more now from that point of view once all this sort of covid dramas all over and that's probably the first thing maybe once restrictions get lifted fully i wouldn't mind sort of having a little meeting in melbourne get some guys together and uh, but there's so many sort of cool trucks down here in melbourne it'd be good to sort of try and get them all together and enjoy ourselves yeah absolutely and uh we've been talking a bit about a a truck specific show and and we're sort of testing the waters with a few things there so hopefully uh in the next 12 to 24 months we can work something out yeah agree well we're definitely a bit of a chat before and you know for the public that's that's listening or any truck people that's something that um I'm looking into at this stage. Uh, we had a pretty successful, as you know, online sort of ISO truck show on Instagram, and that was a really good sort of eye opener to say, "Geez, there's there's plenty of trucks in Australia," and probably wasn't even a third of them at the end of the day that was on online from that side of things. So we know there's a community there available, and it, I don't think we've really ever had a specific show tailored to these people who own these, uh, you know, specific trucks. Uh, so it'd be nice to put something together for them. Yeah, no, we'll make it happen, and uh, I think that's a that's a stay tuned at this stage. But uh, there are, there are things afoot, and and if you're listening and and you've maybe you've got experience in in running an automotive show, or you might have some advice, it'd be really good if you can get in touch with either myself or John and um, just help us out a little bit. Because uh, I guess our biggest fears, obviously, when you run these shows, is you know you, you've got to have insurance and you've got to have uh, all these things in place for a venue that you know councils we're, we're inviting a bunch of blokes with really powerful trucks to come and do burnout somewhere you know you, you don't want all that bad stuff happening so um yeah we're interested in learning a bit and, and looking towards putting a show on so if, if you're out there listening and, and you have some actual real world uh experience we'd love to hear from you yeah that again exactly like you just said if there's uh people that can certainly offer some services or advice to us, it'd be much appreciated. You know, we'd like to do something more than just a static uh, truck show at the end of the day. It'd, it'd be nice to see and feel, listen to these trucks sort of driving around and doing what they were designed to do rather than just sitting in the grass. So it'd be, uh, you know, any advice out there would be certainly appreciated. I know we've got plenty of trucks out there to see, which would be great. Yeah. So so that brings us to, to your other uh side of the truck world so you started an instagram page which is called pickup trucks down under so tell us a bit about how that sort of started how did you get the idea to do that and 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 the growth and a little bit about the page yeah so it all sort of stemmed i obviously bought the truck and started working on it and then i started to notice there wasn't exactly a bit of a niche you know, that I could get online ultimately and have a bit of a look. And now I knew that was a huge cult following in America, of course, but I sort of noticed there was nothing ultimately for Australia. And I didn't want to dedicate it to a to a brand only. I wanted it to be all manufacturers, Ford, Chev, you know, Dodge, International, whatever that might be, and sort of band some people together. So I started an Instagram page. I think it was just a bit of a a joke around and next thing started to get a few followers we might have 1000 followers and i thought oh okay maybe i'll do a few more posts and so 2000 and now we're up to sort of 9000 followers and i've got some merchandise and um you know i think there's 600 posts so you know with trucks on there now and 
all shapes, makes and models, which has been really cool. So the, the page has grown quite rapidly, to be honest with you, in a, in a short amount of time. So uh, it's been pretty exciting to see. And just, just the, the quality alone of trucks that are in Australia, is it's really rad to see, to be honest with you. And the workmanship, and, and it's been good to sort of see all these local companies uh, get involved with the page as well too. And, and it's been quite enjoyable to, um, yeah, ultimately just to see it grow, which has been great. Yeah, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I could tell you from being in LA, I, I actually had a mix up and it was a little bit my fault, but I went to the wrong warehouse originally when I was dropping my stuff off to get shipped back. And I, well, late, where Leighton was shipping from, he, he'd moved. And so I ended up at the old shipping place and then they gave me an address to where they thought he was, but it was a different company. So I rocked in there and, and we went around the back and they were, they were mainly Kiwi guys and they import cars into, into New Zealand. And there would have been 20 to 30 vehicles there, not just pickups, but a lot of pickups and, you know, like Trans Ams and Camaros and all, all sorts of muscle cars. And I said to the guy, I said, are, are these all going to New Zealand? And he's like, yeah, they're all going Australia or New Zealand. And I said, how often do you ship that amount of cars? He's like, every month. Yeah. You know, and that was that was just one place. And there's a hundred of those places, you know. So they're coming over and and it's great. I mean, I've had a few Americans that I've I've talked to on on Messenger and stuff like that about, you know, looking at some trucks. And I've had a few of them say, I don't want to sell it to to an Australian because I don't want our trucks leaving our country and all this sort of shit. So <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's interesting, but um yeah, it's it's great. I mean, you know, I I obviously follow your page and I really enjoy it. And it's good to see such a broad range of vehicles, you know, like we had that ISO truck show and there were internationals and there were it's just a whole range of cars and some of them are Aussie, a lot of them are imports, but uh I think just the whole scene is is growing and it's it's great what you've done. Yeah, thank you. And I think the overall goal, of, you know, I, I guess it all stems back to the start that I thought maybe I could uh, look at, you know, holding a, a, a truck show one day. And that's why I guess initially I sort of started the page and it was just a bit of a blase idea, but now it's starting to come fruition from that point of view with the amount of uh, people and followers and local trucks uh, that are, you know, showing up. And, and as I said, again, I didn't want it to be Obviously, the Dino's uh, Get Down is probably the biggest truck show, you know, in the world. Uh, it's it's Chevy related, though, and I wanted to try and combine the whole community over here. As I just don't think we probably have enough trucks to, to to make it one one brand only. And it wasn't about that. I wanted to get everyone on board. So, you know, ultimately, I wanted everyone to feel welcome. And uh, it's starting to look look pretty positive. You know, it's 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 really looking on the up, and we're getting a lot of people involved. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you look at a, a 56 Chevy and you look at a 56 Ford and they're both a beautiful truck. I mean, we we don't have four generations of brand loyalty with Chevys. Like my grandfather didn't work on a farm in Iowa driving a Chev and I'm a Chev guy, you know. It's kind of, I mean, there there is some Ford versus Holden and I guess a lot of the Ford guys, that's where that's come from from them. But, you know, I, I can look at a 64 unibody and i love that thing you know so i i've got chevs and i own chevs and that's that's my thing but i i can appreciate a good looking truck and a lot of these trucks apart from the sheet metal a lot of them are all running the same gear 
Yeah, you're exactly right too. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, obviously I grew up as a Holden guy and it's just a natural conversion to Chevy. But, you know, as time goes on, I would have no hesitation in owning a, you know, a cool Ford pickup truck from that side of things that, you know, I think we're probably lucky from that side. I mean, it's quite a good community. I think we're all sort of get around each other. And I think it's a community. It's not, you know, how big your dick is at the end of the day. It's, you know, it's different because we're not drag racing. We're not circuit racing. We're just, we're just cruising our trucks. So the similarity across the board is we all sort of have one goal at the end of the day and it's just to enjoy ourselves. And I think that's probably, again, why the ISO truck show might've been such a, a good uh, event ultimately even though it was online it was just the fact that we just wanted to have a good time and it wasn't about who had the biggest engine or along those lines and i keep going back to that it was just that one goal of just enjoying ourselves and being with your mates yeah i i think if i bought a ford i'd actually want to get a flathead v8 an original flathead and and do some old school speed work to it and and have something that's just really original and cool you know like i there's a bit there's a there's one part I love about original and then there's another part I love that's full blown resto mod. And then, you know, obviously there's everything in the middle and, and it, you know, I'd say, I'd say a high, a high percentage of the trucks in the country are imports, but of the trucks that are Australian built, uh, especially the Chevs, the high percentage of them are on HQ chassis. So, you know, they're, they're not, they're not full custom suspension. They're they're using a 1972 technology, but you know you can still throw an LS in there and, and have a really good daily driver. And yeah, we're we're kind of blessed. And you can you can still go for a drive. I the last Chev that I picked up that I've got in my yard here. It's a 55.1 they call them, an uh, an early 55, um, so the older body style, and that came off a wine a. Uh, a winery less than 5Ks from where I'm sitting doing this podcast, you know, and I, I had a couple of trucks in the yard and then one of the old timers came past and says, oh, I'm pretty sure there's one of them on a farm up the road and, you know, they're, they're still around and, and if, if you can be bothered going out and making an effort and going for a drive, you, you can find a nice classic Aussie truck, whether it's a Ford or a Chev or a Bedford or whatever and, and build yourself something that's cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And we, we're sort of lucky now, like you said, we've got a lot of things at our options, whether it be an LS or whatever, those types of things now, you know, and you go back to that, you know, Ford Flathead, you know, I'm a Chevy guy, but I honestly believe that Ford Flathead's probably the, the best looking engine just about ever made. You know, you'd see them in a hot rod. Damn, they just look badass. You know, they're such a cool looking engine from that point of view. And yeah, we're lucky. We've got a lot of technology at our hands and but it doesn't have to be about technology. We've, we've got, you know, tried and tested old school stuff that still works today and it's still really cool from that side of things. And I think that's the that's the cool thing about owning something old, you know. It, it mightn't handle the best, but you feel like you're actually driving it, you know, you're smelling it, you're, you're hearing it, you're doing all of those things and it just adds to that experience. Yeah, no, it's awesome. If people haven't seen uh, your Instagram page, it's, it's pickup trucks down under. Um, you got a bit of apparel there. You've got some uh, t-shirts and hats and hoodies, and there's a Ford and a Chev one. And uh, I think I said to you the other day, you got to stop because I'm going to go broke. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the the Ford shirt you just put out. It's a nice one. Yeah, it is a nice one actually, and it's you know I I've just got hoodies in. I'm about to sort of drop them in the next day or two from that side of things and. 
obviously it's getting cold down here and I'm getting plenty of questions about it. And I've just released a, an early sort of 50s pickup trucks as a new logo and probably do another Ford logo. And then I might, you know, dice it up a bit and go a different brand and um, make some other people happy and, yeah, just try and give something for everyone from that side of things. So, but it's taken off and it's pretty cool. I've got shirts in America, New Zealand, England. Uh, it's pretty cool to get a photo from somewhere over, you know, a different part of the country saying, oh, I just seen a, you know, pickup trucks down under shirt in a different part of the world, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was walking around Dino's with your shirt on and uh, it got piled up. Got bailed up by a bunch of the boys. They're like, hey, hey, we know that guy, you know. Yeah, I was sitting at home and um, I got this random text message from a mate saying, I've just seen one of your shirts at, uh, at Dino's. And I was like, no way. And then obviously he said that he met you. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, and and I love I love that the page is all brands. You know, like you said, you, you probably could have done a chef page and it would have been quite popular and done really well. But same as what I do with the podcast. I, I was like, you know, like we're, we're all on the same boat really like we all we all love the concept and enjoy getting out there and doing it all and i was pretty stoked I did, when when you do the podcast hosting you get all your stats for your downloads and all that sort of stuff and it gives you a map of the world and it shows you where where it's been downloaded You're right so we we've been listened to in 17 different countries already you know so it's pretty cool yeah, portugal that's... there's a guy in portugal there's a guy in <laughs> portugal listening to the podcast i'm like <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Right. You know, it's it's cool mm. some of the stats from that side of things. And you're right, I'm starting to get that now on Instagram. And yeah, I've got a lot of people from all parts of the world from that side of things. And it's just like, yeah, this is this is pretty cool from that. So just being able to connect with different people, I think it's uh, yeah, it's a really cool concept. And 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 again, like you just go back to saying you could have made it Chevy or along those lines. And I've had some pretty diehard Chevy guys who own Chevys. Next thing, they're they're buying the Ford shirt. Because it's a you know it's a cool design and it's and it's probably all about that one community at the end of the day, which has been really cool. Yeah, yeah. And and so if I'm if I'm one of these guys that's listening to the podcast and um and I sort of maybe I've just got Instagram and I'm going to find you. How how do I go about getting my truck featured on your uh, page? What do I have to do? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Just send me a, a direct message. Ultimately, at the end of the day, with a a photo of your truck and if you want you can send a little little bit about it i've had a few people without upsetting anyone people from overseas sending their trucks and i've had to be politely say look i'm just going to keep this for australian and new zealand owned trucks uh from that point of view but yeah i'd love to see what you've got hidden away even potentially what's in the build and we'll keep in contact you know to have updated photos over time and i'll be more than happy to to get it posted up you know there's no discriminatory from that point of view i'm I'll accept anything that's a, a, a pickup from that point of view. I think I've even had a few uh, Volkswagen pickups in there. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, just send it through and I'll be happy to have a chat with you. Yeah, nice. And I, I saw on your personal Instagram there's a sneaky photo of a Volkswagen Beetle. You, you got a bit of a soft spot for the Volkswagens? I do, I do. It's, um, I've never had a soft spot for uh, the Beetles. And then uh, a couple of years ago I bought a Beetle off a off an old fella and I was you know what? It's just so simple to work on. I sort of fell in love with it from that side of things. And how you go from owning a, you know, seven hundred horsepower <laughs> Monaro to a thirty horsepower Beetle, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was just it was just a cool little project. Unfortunately, I had to had to sell it, and I really regret selling that Beetle. To be honest, it was one of those uh, like semi automatics. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They they got a like a clutch and a and, and a converter. 
and then you as soon as you sort of press the gear lever it neutralizes it with a solenoid to allow it and it's it pushes the clutch in so you can change the gear what what year was that 68 it was yeah yeah cool yeah, a bit of it. I've read lots of negative things on that automatic, but it seemed to, you know, once I got it figured out, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty different. You just take your foot off the accelerator. As soon as you touch the handle, it neutralizes it. It has a solenoid on it, and then you pop it in the gear, and it's just like you're putting a clutch in. Yeah, right. So it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a physical clutch on the floor. No, no physical clutch pedal at all. Yeah. No, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I. I love Volkswagens. I don't. I really same as you. I don't know why. Like they are, they're not very powerful, and especially the combis, like which is where my soft spot is. But they're just a big brick. They're the most unaeronautical vehicle ever produced, really. And yeah, they're they're cool. I've got a '58 split screen uh, combi single cab Ute sitting out the side here. Yeah, that's cool. I think I like that transition. That transition into that early Porsche too. I'm a big fan of that 356. You know, it's um. Yeah, it's a pretty cool and a you know pretty cool model, that's for sure. Yeah, even when you look at say the Carmen Ghia, the styling of that, and then into the three five six Porsche, there, yeah, they, they, I think the biggest thing, like you said, is it's simple. You know, like I watched the video, of the world record um, of they had a world record for changing an engine or taking an engine out of a car. <laughs> so they had a beat, they had this Beetle, and the rules were that you had to. They had to drive it in and stop on the line, and then the driver had to get out. And then there was three of them on the team, and they had to remove the engine on a trolley and wheel it out so it was outside the confines of the vehicle, and then wheel it back in, bolt it back in, and the driver had to get back in and start the car and leave the line. And they did it in a, in like under a minute. Ah, oh, that's that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think if people, it's probably not a bad, you know, if you're not into cars or it's something you wanted to get into, they're a really good simple car and you could probably pick up a workshop manual and, and you know, read, guide yourself through probably owning one, to be honest with you. They're, pr- they're pretty basic, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's no radiator. They're air-cooled. They're, 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 and one person, you can lift an engine on your own, like you don't need a, a hoist. Yeah, I so. think that's the cool thing. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I won't disagree with you. That's probably good little intro for some sort of people, which is be cool. Yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys who are you know Chevy or mini truck guys in the states, and they a lot of them started off on on Volkswagens because because they're just cheap and easy, and I don't think they're all that cheap anymore. But they're uh, they are a simple car. Yeah, you're right. Like everything now, isn't it? Everything old school's really just taken off. I mean, it, it's sort of disappointing in a way. Like, obviously, it's great if you own something from a resale value point of view, but if you want to get into it, it makes it hard if you're ultimately just an everyday Aussie battler, as you'd say, and you wanted to sort of own your dream car and, you know, just a basic Kingswood or things like that now starting to get out of grasp or, or reach for people, which is sort of pretty disappointing in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And, and even things, you know, this is when you start to feel like you're getting old, but, you know, you're talking about a VN Commodore or, or you know, an XD Falcon. Now, when I was at school, an XD was 2000 bucks piece of shit that you just bought yeah. it and drove it. And, you know, you got a bright rod run now. Guys are fully restoring these things and driving them around. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They're not cheap and they, you know, I guess it's nostalgia. Like that, if you're 10 years younger than me and, you know, you're, you're 10 or 11 year old and you saw an XD was the cool car that guys were driving at the time. And I guess that's something that you've probably looked up to and, and you wanted to own and you, you've eventually got one and restored it. And 
and that just moves its way down the line to to what we're all end up doing with these trucks. Yeah, that's true too. And it's got to. I think it's you've got to wonder how long anything old's going to be around in the next fifty years. You know, of electric coming through now. You know, these could be really a dying breed. Uh, from that point of view, which is sort of sad from that side of things. I, I was just having a look at online the other day. Some guys, I don't know if you've seen it, he's, he's built a small block Chevy. I don't know if you've seen it. And he's gutted it ultimately. So there's nothing inside the small block Chevy bar an electric engine. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have. You know, yeah. You know, I think you think, geez, look where things are sort of going now from that side of things. Is he the guy that's got the two daughters that works with him? I don't know. I didn't know. I'm not sure if I read about the daughters, but I was sort of, I was quite impressed. I'm not a big electric fan or along those lines, but I thought, geez, you know, to be able to probably build something like that, there'd be some hot rodders out there that would probably enjoy that side of things. Maybe for the younger generation as well too, it might be something for them. Yeah, look, I, I think regardless of whether we like it or not, it's going to be the future. And I I think in five, maybe 10 years' time, we're probably going to have to have a special permit to drive a, you know, a, a, a combustion engine in a car anywhere. Yeah, I think you're right too. And, you know, it's probably going to be like Mad Max trying to get fuel at some stage eventually. So <laughs> maybe enjoy it while you can. Maybe it's a good thing I'm putting a diesel in my car. I can keep going with the old veggie oil. Yeah, and I'll be yeah right. make your own veggie oil. You'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, cool. All right, mate. Listen, thanks. Thanks for having a chat. It's been fun. Um, and definitely uh, encourage people to have a look at your page. So you're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Um, guys can get on there and have a look. Yeah, they can get on there and have a look at it as well. And I'll be honest, I'm not as proactive on Facebook. Everything sort of converts over to from Instagram, so it's probably something I should look at getting a bit more proactive uh, from that side of things. But as you said before, if you've you've got a pretty cool truck, you know, don't be afraid to send it through. You know, it's not about comparing your you know a show truck to your everyday workhorse or along those lines. It's you know, it's just about having fun. So yeah, don't be afraid to send me a message and. Thanks for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it. No, sounds good, mate. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, – hopefully they can have the bright run, run again this year and uh, actually catch up and have a beer. Yeah, that sounds good. I know you touched on it before and maybe that's something that, you know, we'll nench closer potentially, you know, uh, depends what happens with this COVID scenario, but we might try and get a few of these old-school pickup trucks at the bright hot rod run this year if it all goes ahead. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a word with the guys there and – and see if we can have a, a couple of rows that are specifically set aside for the trucks and, and get everyone in one spot. It'd be really nice. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And, you know, the more information we find out, I'll certainly post it accordingly on the page too to notify everyone. Perfect. All right, John, thanks, mate. Uh, and it's at Pickup Trucks Down Under if you want to get on and check out the page and, and same name on Facebook. Thanks for coming on board, mate, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Done. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad. So please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast, and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. 
The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.